Making it in music is tough. It can be the most wonderful experience you could hope for, but surviving, let alone flourishing, is an elusive bullseye for musicians and music professionals everywhere. This theme comes up in every episode here on Southern Songs and Stories in some way or another. Artists of all kinds are self-employed and are walking a hard road to travel, especially financially. They love it, though, and the joy of making their art and sharing their personal truth with the world makes all of the slogging and skin knees worth it. But not all artists, not all musicians are walking that same hard road. Some are walking one even steeper and more dangerous. And when you're talking about making it in music, it becomes clear pretty quickly that being a woman puts you on a journey lined with pitfalls and roadblocks. Just what does that journey look like? I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. And in this episode of Southern Songs and Stories, you'll hear from Amanda Ann Platt of the Honeycutters, Natalia Weinstein of Zoe and Cloyd, Hannah Kaminer, Alexa Rose, and Eugene Mooney, telling us about their experiences, both good and bad, as we question what makes music so male-dominated in the first place, what preconceptions do to hold women back, we talk about some of their musical heroines, and much more. Osiris. Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you are listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. We started this podcast with a video. I got together with my old friends at Independent Arts and Music Asheville, who produce all sorts of great video at IMAVL.com. They have live camera streams of area music venues, produce a lot of original content, and even make a show called Echo Sessions on North Carolina Public Television. That is a show of live sessions filmed in a former church, a stained glass great room now called Studio A at Echo Mountain Studios in downtown Asheville, North Carolina. So Josh Blake and Scott Reese of IMAVL have been great to work with on previous video projects I did But it has been five years since we've gotten together on something. And finally, we managed to sync up and make one happen again. The video, which you can find on imavl.com, was a live-streamed show with myself, Amanda Ann Platt, Hannah Kaminer, and Natalia Weinstein. And that serves as the starting point for our podcast. We started that show with this song, Set a Table, from Hannah Kaminer.
Tell us in the broadest sense where you start from being a woman in the local music scene. What is harder about being what where, where you're at and what you're doing? Hannah, you want to start? Um, sure, yeah. I think... Um, you know, coming at it in my mid, starting in my mid twenties and, um, coming at it already having experience as a young professional, as a teacher. Um, I think that I had a little bit of a leg up in terms of presentation, trying to realize this is, um, not just an art you also have to have a lot of business skills to run your act or to run your band. And, um, but I think that it was a little disappointing when I started and realized that um, a lot of people want you to have a certain presentation or come across a certain way, um, the dress, the boots, the bright red lipstick, and you it makes you want to wear overalls because you're just so <laughs> like over it. Um, you want the, the song to be center stage and the music to be center stage, and sometimes it's really hard to um, to achieve that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, here in Asheville, I don't feel that there's a tremendous bias. I mean, I think, you know, on a on a person-to-person level, there's plenty of opportunities for women in music, and, you know, I feel very supported by this community. Um, but I have to agree with what Hannah says. I, I do think that in the, the larger picture, um, there is kind of an expectation of women to present themselves a certain way, and if you if you don't, if you've kind of failed to meet those expectations or if you, if you don't look, look the part or you're, you're not, you know, kind of eye catching enough, then it, um, it can definitely, you know, hurt your prospects of actually getting heard, which seems kind of ridiculous that, you know, but it's, it is, I think that is true. I have found that to be true. Yeah. I mean, I I would agree with that as well. I feel like I'm always trying to balance yeah, I mean, you want to look professional, but I also try not to err on the side of, you know, using yeah my looks as a way to to get ahead in the music industry. Again, you want the music to, to be the main thing that speaks, and so I think that that's kind of a you know the the balance of trying to stay authentic to that, but also trying to play the game yeah. uh, to some extent. Yeah, I and I mean I think too like I don't know necessarily that I know how to play the game, so I get really stressed out sometimes. You know, if I'm at like some big like conference or something, and I'm looking around at the other women there, and they're all like really well dressed, and you know have their makeup on really well, and I'm I'm like I don't even really know how to do makeup. Like I don't, you know, I I can wear eye stuff and lip stuff, but other than, like the, everything in between is is a mystery to me. And there's been many times that I've literally just like had little minor meltdowns just being like this is ridiculous like I'll never make it in this business because I don't know how to do makeup and my hair is bad
a bit of Amanda Ann Platt and the Honeycutters' song Long Ride. Following the opening round of our conversation with Amanda, Hannah, and Natalia on set and IMAVL, what they are saying was echoed by other guests, including area singer-songwriter Alexa Rose. Just feeling pressure to present yourself in a certain way, that's absolutely real. Um, But I think that like just within the last few years of me really presenting myself as a songwriter and an artist that that I I don't really feel that pressure anymore that has shifted a lot for me you know when I was first starting out I'll tell a story um when I was 18 years old I entered uh it was like a contest for country musicians to perform at a major event and I entered this contest and it was really my first kind of experience presenting myself as an artist. Um, And through that contest, I happened to meet somebody who was involved with the organization of the event who approached me and said, I want to help you with your career. Uh, I really believe in what you're doing. I want to be your manager and help you put an album out. And to me, as a young woman who was just starting in music, of course, I was so excited by this. And, uh, you know, of course I did it. I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So I started working with this person. And then when I got into the studio with them, I was assaulted. And I had to walk away from that situation. And for me, that was really discouraging. And for a while, I mean, I I would think for anybody who would have that experience and associate it with a certain thing that they were setting out to try to do in the world, Um, it's hard to kind of keep going and, you know, know that you're going to come up against situations like that. And that was the first time I was trying to make music and put it out into the world. And that's what I ran into. You say you're traveling on. Yeah, you're just passing through. But you can only go so far before you find somebody who knows. You You can only go so far before you find somebody who knows you Darling, I'm your soul song And you're the light I left on You can only see it in the dark So turn it off quick, it's losing its spark Turn it off quick, it's losing its spark And when the sun goes down I won't be hanging around I'm no confidential confidant You'll never find out what I want or why I was running Why I was running Because you're traveling on Yeah, you're just passing through you can only go so far before you find somebody who knows you You can only go so far before you find somebody who knows you You can only go so far before you find somebody who knows you You can only go so far before you find somebody who knows you
that's a bit of Alexa Rose's traveling heart from her debut album, Low and Lonesome. She's anticipating her follow-up record to come out in early 2019. Alexa recounted a story that will sound familiar to way too many women in the music world and in many parts of the professional world, especially in male-dominated industries. Research shows that it is harder for women to excel in those industries, and they are more likely to face some type of harassment in those fields. Some examples of fields that have very few women, there are the more obvious ones like auto sales, construction, sports, along with more modern examples like computers and technology, joining in with music as being largely boys clubs. And it follows that those are places where, as the old saying goes, boys will be boys. But rather than nudge, nudge, wink, wink our way around these facts, Many of the women in the whole world of music and on our show are speaking out about the stereotypes and bad behaviors that have for so long been shrugged off as being a woman's fault, or at the very least, her own problem, rather than any man's. Don't want to be a part of the good old boys club, cigars and handshakes, appreciate you but no. The Casey Musgraves song, Good Old Boys Club, was really good for this week. Like, oh, yeah. oh I don't think yeah. I've heard that song. I don't want to be a part of your good old boys club. Right. Cigars and handshakes. Appreciate you, but no thanks. Yeah. I think there's so much. I actually really love that line. Appreciate you, but no thanks, because you you do have a lot of pressure as a woman to kind of take care of people's feelings. <laughs> like, I, pr- I appreciate the offer that you're trying to get me to do this thing, but no thank you. Um, there's a lot of that um, pressure. I, I was super inspired this week by um, Dr. Ford and just how she was clearly emotionally affected, but she was very measured, and she never... Um, stepped away from her professional dignity as a psychologist and um, just seeing a woman be under a whole lot of um, pressure and strain um, and just have such a coherent and um, strong voice in, in the midst of vulnerability I felt like wow she's like a rock star to me you know like <laughs> um, creating space for that to be heard is is exciting to me. I don't think that would have happened when we were um, younger. So yeah. Now let's do something about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's let's definitely listen. a remarkable time um, for women, and there's just it seems like every day there's stories coming out um, about you know past abuses, current abuses, inequality, and uh, it's hard. It can feel like a barrage, you know, like. Um, it can feel like there's so much going on and you know you don't there's so much that we don't know what the truth is you know because there's uh, especially with a lot of these sexual abuse cases it's like and I'm not even citing the whole Kavanaugh thing right now I'm just in general I'm saying that you know if it was a long time ago and there's no physical evidence it's it does kind of become one person's word against another but I think what's really important is that you know for a long time it was just assumed that the man was right you know and so 
I think it's important that women are being listened to, you know, because this is the kind of thing that happens. It happens. It's probably Tons happened all to all of us. It's probably <laughs> happened to everyone we know, you know, on some level. And um, it's just important that it's being talked about. Right. You know? And then maybe men will be more conscious. Maybe, you know, just to, to, to just that the slightest thing, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's just to be more to yeah. more conscientious about how they're speaking or acting or. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good thing. One of the things I think about when it comes to women in music, even though mu- uh, the music industry is a male-dominated field, um, I'm I'm a believer that what's for you is for you. And if you use your faith in God and you allow him to guide you, it doesn't matter who dominates the field. God is the ultimate, and He, you will get your goal and meet it. Uh, I think a lot of times we as women... Uh, We see ourselves more as nurturers, caregivers, and caretakers, and we put our goals a lot of times on the back burner for family, you know, for loved ones, and we just seem to put everybody in front of us. So I think that's a lot of the reason why we don't have a lot of women in the field, because they're going to consider their families first. They're going to consider their children, you know, things of that nature. And I think that could be a hindrance in a sense if, say, a producer or someone wanted to say, you have a great voice and we want you to go out and tour. Well, they're going to say, okay, but she's got kids. She's got a husband. You know, how how available would she be? Um I believe God could work that out. If it's meant for you, you'll have it. But I could kind of see that could be a hindrance in this, you know, worldview, not in God's view at all, but in the worldview. I think they look at women more in that sense and, you know, that she's got other things that probably be more of a priority to her than the music. And a lot of times that's not true because you've got plenty of beautiful women out here and they're doing it all. I mean, they're they're working hard to do it, but they have families and they're traveling and they're singing and they're doing their ministry. Uh, so that's why I say as a woman, you have to be determined not to give up and you have to see who you are and and who you belong to. And when you realize who you are and that, you know, say you're God's child, you know, and he made you for purpose and your pur- your only purpose is not bearing children. I'm sorry. A great job to those of you who are house, you know, housewives, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but that's not the only purpose, you know, that we as women can do and serve. That's Eugene Mooney, a gospel singer that I know from my church. And you can find her latest album, Silent Tears, on CD Baby. Eugene, despite her many struggles, does not dwell on them. Actually, it seems to me like she was slower to talk about struggle since the solution was foremost in her mind, the Gospels. It would be a great episode all its own to dive into the music of the Southern Church here and follow it throughout the culture it helped shape. The Church is so foundational to Southern culture and music that we could spend many episodes on it, really.
Ujern also mentioned a favorite gospel artist, Mandisa. All of our guests had women artists as role models, from Molly Tuttle, Allison Brown, and Susan Tedeschi, to regional artists like Alex Krug, Lyric, and Ellie Grace. Unfortunately, there just aren't that many women role models to go around. In a University of Southern California study of the top 600 songs from 2012 to 2017, defined by Billboard's year-end Hot 100 chart for each of those six years, the study found that of the 1,239 performing artists, 22.4% of them were women. And across the board, you can find women only occupying some 10% or so of the musical real estate. Of the 899 individuals who have been nominated for the six Grammy ceremonies from 2012 to 2017, 90.7% were men and 9.3% were women. Roughly 90% of artists played on country radio are, you guessed it, not women. In bluegrass music, there was a saying, you're pretty good for a girl, which was employed by Rhonda Vincent in her song All-American Bluegrass Girl. Rhonda was referring to what had to have been many times she was told just that, especially early on in her lifelong career. Rhonda is one of the most acclaimed vocalists in bluegrass, but she is also a great mandolin player. And being a virtuoso on an instrument is perceived as much more of a guy thing. Thus, the left-handed compliments. American bluegrass girl who's singing here tonight. Bill might be from Kentucky, Jimmy from Tennessee. Oh, I might be from Missouri, I'm as bluegrass as can be. I love the bluegrass music with friends and family. I'm an all-American bluegrass girl, proud as I can Being a musician and woman brings with it loads of preconceptions, as we touched on earlier. We tend to want women artists to be pretty, but then hold that against them many times when they are. We also tend to think they don't have a head for business or know their way around gear. Yeah, I mean, I tour a lot with my band and everybody else in my band is male. And I've definitely noticed that when we show up at a venue to sound check, um, there's, there's usually a bit of a talking over my head you know like oh we'll, we'll get to you sweetie like let the boys kind of plug their instruments in and we'll figure out what we need to do and then we'll get your we'll get your voice in the monitor you know and it's like <laughs> you know I can I'm perfectly capable of walking in and telling them what what everything we need is and how we need it um I don't because I'm lazy sometimes but I can you know and it's really uh it's really frustrating to just feel like you're being excluded from a conversation because there's some sort of assumption that because you're the girl in the band, you know. I have um, another friend uh, in town who's a woman in a, an otherwise all-man man band, all-male band. <laughs> and she has told me stories as well of like, yeah, just being kind of looked over at Soundtrack um, when they're passing out bracelets, you know, to the, you know, to the 
drinks or whatever, you know, they'll ask her like, are you actually in the band or are you just like here with the band? Are you a girlfriend? Right. Are you a girlfriend? And it's, you know, and then she gets on stage and blows everyone away and it's like, oh, right. You know, sorry. But it's, you know, there's kind of this assumption when you show up somewhere. Or an assumption that you're not the business manager in the band too. Like, um, you know, going to the guys with the checks at the end of the night and you're like, whoa, I, (laughs) okay, just let's start from scratch, you know, and you just try to be, uh, as kind uh, and as firm as you can, saying like you're dealing with me. I'm I'm in charge. Right. <laughs> um, but the the people that I've played with, the other musicians, um, drummers, um, bass players, pedal steel players, like they've all been awesome. It's the other. It's usually uh, venue owners that I run into have just sort of a maybe a older mindset about the role of women and can be a little wearisome yeah but I do think it's great I feel like there's a lot more women um, involved in venues like a lot you know a lot of the people that we've been working with lately for booking have been um, women and there's a lot of publicists I do feel like there's a a better representation of women in the music industry I do wish there were more women uh, as like engineers and Mm -hmm. um producers like my husband and I were just talking yesterday about a producer for our next album and I was like what women you know could we get to produce this album or like Alison Brown and I was like okay I can't even really think of anybody yeah there's a big article that just came out in Capital at Play I think and it's all the local recording studios there's not one female engineer in the article that I could see my experiences on the road I guess as a woman in music traveling and touring I would say, well, first of all, I guess I guess this is kind of a funny story, but Joe, you contacted me through um, an email address that you found on my website, and I think that I told you that it was like a fake booking agent, uh, and I guess I'm admitting this publicly now, but it's kind of a funny story because I had a, a friend who was also a woman in music tell me that she had a lot more luck booking shows and I am a I'm an artist who does I don't have a booking agent I pretty much do everything run my business on my own and I had a friend tell me that she has a lot more luck booking shows uh, when she poses as a male booking agent for herself and so I kind of followed her advice and I did the same thing and I never really kept up with it uh, it just ended up being too complicated but there's a I think there's a good example of something that kind of I think happens to a lot of us as women especially those of us who kind of don't who are running our own business uh and kind of playing all the roles of you know manager booking agent uh PR person for yourself it can be really difficult I think as a woman Why don't you 
That's a bit of Margot Price's song Pay Gap, which Alexa Rose mentioned as an example of a song that gets to the heart of some of these issues. And before that, Alexa talking to me by phone, following another piece of our IMAVL show with Natalia, Hannah, and Amanda. Songs like Pay Gap have been recorded in the modern era, but back in the day, you did not hear themes of empowerment from or regarding women in songs. You were much more likely to hear quite the opposite. songs in old time and bluegrass traditions where the woman is getting there's violence against murdered <laughs> murdered <laughs> a lot of times mm-hmm. yeah yeah I it's mean, out bluegrass there tradition does not bat an eye they i mean in the it coming out of the ballads from scotland um and the uk like those ballads are telling the truth about you know <laughs> male female relationships and how bad things can get when the power is really imbalanced. That's Hannah Kaminer following some of the song Knoxville Girl performed by the Leuven Brothers, which along with many others like Banks of the Ohio are examples of the commonplace themes of violence towards women in the Western musical tradition. You can trace the roots of Knoxville Girl back to the year 1683 in England with the murder of a young woman named Anne Nichols. Anne had become pregnant by a man named Francis Cooper, who chose to kill her and their unborn child rather than to marry. Two years after that, the murder was immortalized in song with the ballad titled The Bloody Miller. From there, the song would inspire many alternate versions of the same story, including one named The Berkshire Tragedy, which became The Oxford Tragedy, then The Oxford Girl, and then The Wexford Girl, and so on, eventually coming to the United States as the Knoxville Girl. And even though murder ballads like these have fallen out of favor, there are plenty of songs lately that are at least very heavy-handed in their approach to women's behavior. Like what I imagine was the tongue-in-cheek intention on this song from Junior Sisk. You try 
Old Bicycle Chain from Junior Sisk and Rambler's Choice, released in 2013. Sisk took a lot of heat for this song, and he stopped playing it live later that year, but there was a fair amount of blowback about the heat itself. Yes, there were guys who did just not get what the fuss was about. It makes you wonder where the musical responses to these kinds of songs coming from women artists might be. Where are those themes? Where are those songs? It's a thought-provoking question, and I'll be honest, it's not something I've thought that much about. I mean, I, I personally, just in my own little world of songwriting, I I have difficulty writing when I'm angry. So I, I personally don't approach, you know, I may notice things that I'm not happy with, and I certainly have, you know, political views, and, and there are things that I feel like I want to say, but I don't feel as inspired to put them into my art um, which seems like maybe backwards. I don't know. I mean, so many amazing artists have used that as fuel and inspiration and, and made incredible songs and albums and paintings and all. But I, I do think that maybe there's a there's a gap right now for somebody to step into, you know, who has something to say about the gender issues. There's quiet revolutionaries. Like um, Alex Krug is someone who is saying... Like, I'm not going to do this uh, red lipstick, heels in a skirt to get booked. Like, I'm going to do things my way. And I've, um, she's been super encouraging to me. Just, she's literally said the words, you, you are enough. You don't have to mold yourself into something in order to be a musician. Mm-hmm. I would say lyric, too. Like, she sings a lot of songs that have historical import that you know are so relevant today related to civil rights and just black lives matter and um i really admire what she's doing i think we have a diy culture around here um um, with women in music and sometimes the it feels like the most revolutionary thing you can do is own own it Mm -hmm. own like yes i'm a woman in music i run this as a business i you know, I advocate for myself. It doesn't always come out in the lyrics. <laughs> I was going to say, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that, you know, if, if um, somebody were to set out to kind of give themselves that reputation and really like show up in that way constantly, you know, consistently and just be like, I'm, you know, this is, this is what I'm about. This is what I have to say. And, you know, I think that the Riot Girl movement certainly became very, combative you know which is which is a good thing and needed to happen and had a lot of followers but it kind of pigeonholes it a little bit you know whereas I think that to really get things evened out a little bit more I do think like Hannah was saying one of the best things that women can do is is to just keep showing up and and being true to themselves and the music that they make whether they are you know there is a powerful social message to the music or not um you know, it's almost like, you know, with all the politics going on now, it's like, 
you know, you can put out angry rants on Facebook or whatever, you're kind of preaching to the choir because people that don't agree with you are going to demonize you for not agreeing with you, you know, and, and so you're, it's almost like your voice by, by polarizing yourself, you're almost like negating your voice. Yeah, and I, ch- I think yeah, I agree with that, and I think that I choose to not get engaged with you know political stuff on Facebook. I mean, I'll share things that I think are important, but I don't generally engage in political arguments or rants because it doesn't seem very effective to me. I'd rather talk to sit down and talk to it somebody in person. Seem effective. And I also, um, and I do think music can be a powerful tool. I do think there's actually been a lot of songs recently with the you know political climate. There's been a lot of um, kind of civil rights songs to come up, and we you know we do a number, we do John wrote and when he was feeling angry one day he wrote an environmental song you know called who's looking out for you and me and you know so like we do and i mean we just sang a song this weekend called i'm your neighbor that's kind of about the the immigrant experience and the you know gay and lesbian experience and so you know i think that that it's important to there is a lot of political action going on it may not be quite as you know riotous or 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 loud but it's um you know it's i think it's there for sure i mean at the at the bluegrass conference you know there was a diversity and inclusion showcase in concert that you know highlighted gay bluegrass musicians which you know that's a new thing in the bluegrass community to be open and welcoming of that i think amanda hit on something really really important uh with that which was that as an artist trying to have a conversation about any current events, anything we're passionate about, where people are kind of divided and it's an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people, I think it's it's important to have those people who really make that their message and they have their clear message. But I think there's sort of a trick to presenting a lot of different perspectives showing up with your truth and who you are as a person. And there's all these different pieces that people can relate to. Um, And then maybe you have a song or two about something that you're really passionate about that is a little bit trickier to talk about. I think it's easier for people to listen to that, maybe maybe in spoonfuls, (laughs) if that makes sense. And so it seems that the hurdle to make music is so high that simply making music and being true to your womanhood is in itself a victory. Well, being a a woman is one thing, and being a minority woman is another, because you are are typecast in a sense. If you're a minority woman, if you're Spanish or African-American or Asian, whatever it is, then, you know, people expect you to sound a particular way or sing a particular style, you know, or something like that. And the example I think of is Mandisa. I love Mandisa, and I think her music is great. But a lot of times in our uh, African-American community, they look at her more as a Christian contemporary artist instead of an actual urban gospel African-American artist. And so... You know, she would she gets more attention in other areas than she would from our community because of that. But her music is powerful and it's good. And it's not that we don't listen. It's just that she's, in a sense, been typecast in our community to a point. And I think that's tragic because it shouldn't be about the color. It should be about the music. That's Eugene Mooney again with a reminder that it's even harder as a woman who is a minority and the observation that although we should not judge an album by its cover or an artist by their skin color, we so often do.
Natalia Weinstein and her husband John Cloyd Miller are Zoe and Cloyd, using both their middle names for their moniker. And that was some of the title track to Eyes Brand New, their latest album. After all of these songs about hardships and violence and the good old boys club, it is nice to have something a little more optimistic. And there is plenty of optimism to go around here. Women have come a long way in their quest for equal footing in the music world. They are not there yet. But it seems that we are at a point in history where, finally, the tables may be turning. We've not answered all the questions of what we can do to make things better, but at least we're finally asking. Let's wrap up the show today by giving each of you a magic wand and asking what would be the one thing you would do with that in regards to helping improving women in the music scene, either right here where we're at and around Asheville or in general. It's a really hard question. It's <laughs> a really tough question. I'd probably want to make yeah more engineers and producer more women in the industry, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would just want you know, also I think that there's this this sort of unspoken thing that happens a lot where women are in competition with each other, you oh, know? Yeah. It almost seems like a divide and conquer kind of thing. I don't mean mm. to sound paranoid, but it it is like I would I would love to see more community mm. amongst women. And, you know, I'm responsible for that, too. As a woman in the music industry, I, I can reach out. I can build more community. Well, and you do a good, re- you do a really good job. Well, thank you, You Hannah. did the women's the concert last year. With the, I yeah. had nothing to do with organizing that, but I was there. <laughs> you were yeah, part of I it. Think that, Showed up. I think that that's what I would say, too, is just more collaboration and mm. realizing there's space enough for all of us. Mm-hmm. There's tons of space that's left so to be filled. Space. And, yeah. um together building each other up and learning to work um you know in a what can be kind of a bro culture sometimes like we're our best each other's best allies and working together and learning to work with um people from all backgrounds i mean that's kind of the vision that of a generous Asheville music community and i feel like we know pieces of it like it's it's coming alive, yeah, but yeah. it would be awesome to see that just sort of flourish, like awesome. the generosity and collaboration between everybody mm. be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing I would do different in my life would be to love and accept myself and my value and know what my worth is. I would, instead of waiting until as old as I am, I won't say how old I am, <laughs> but, but uh, I, would, I would accept me and love me just like my father does. Thanks for listening to Southern Songs and Stories, and thanks to the Women of Music Action Network, online as womannashville.com.
for their Breaking the Bowl article, which was my source for the facts about and recent history of how much country radio is ignoring women artists. I also referenced a New York Times article from January 2018 about gender diversity in the music industry to get a lot of the statistics mentioned in this episode. Thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Thanks to both the Osiris Podcast Network and to Don Mack at Bluegrass Planet Radio for carrying the show, and to everyone at IMAVL for producing the video which got the ball rolling for this episode. I encourage you to spread the word about this podcast and consider helping us by subscribing and commenting on our show and by becoming a patron. You can find out more at southernsongsandstories.com and at patreon.com slash southernsongsandstories. And you can keep up with us on our Facebook page, on Twitter, at South Scenes, and on Instagram, at South Stories. At Southern Songs and Stories, we're really glad to be on the Osiris Podcast Network And at OsirisPod.com, you can check out a couple of the newest podcasts in the lineup, Dead to Me, hosted by Casey Ray and Eduardo Nunez. It's a cross-cultural journey through the land of the Grateful Dead. And another new podcast, Dark Blue, with Jeffrey Rickley, who's the lead singer and songwriter for the band Thursday. You can find those and others on the Osiris Network, on podcast platforms, practically everywhere. This is Southern Songs and Stories the music of the South, and the artists who make it. Okay, the other day I was I was at an event watching a concert. I was in the audience, and somebody approached me who I didn't know. Um, a man approached me who I didn't know, but he knew who I was, and he knew my music and stuff. And he, he just, he asked me if I could cook. <laughs> He started asking me these questions, uh, you know, are you good at cooking? Are you good at this and that? And then, you know, oh, well, I like that about you. Just in a very kind of like suggestive, weird way. Now, you guys pray for me out there because sometimes I get a little impatient <laughs> and and I'm a little long in the tooth for some of this stuff. So I'm really, <laughs> really hoping God kind of hurry up in some ways. Kids now, they grow up with the 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 new Star Wars girl, the new Star Wars hero who's not wearing a bikini, but like we grew up with Princess Leia, <laughs> and then we would still we see kind of the same thing in music, of like um, kind of a highly sexualized female um, musician or female artist, and you don't see women shredding on guitar. I didn't growing up or taking solos on bluegrass songs. And now that's really starting to change. Looking at Molly Tuttle or someone like that or watching Susan Tedeschi. Tedeschi. Man, those women can play. And I, but I, even now going to those shows, watching a woman just display a sheer incredible virtuosity, you feel like crying because Hmm. you didn't have those role models.